Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, July 8th, 2021. It's actually pretty remarkable what we see in Scripture that demons know. In fact, if I were to have you sit down and just give a theology quiz, multiple choice on Christology, heads up, you versus a demon, it's possible on paper uh, the demon might even beat you on that quiz. But today we want to think about what demons can and can't do in that realm. And while demons we see in scripture are capable of making some amazingly true statements about Jesus, uh, there is something with those statements that they cannot do, that you through faith can do. And we want to see the differences in those things and even just some things that demons can say. And one thing in particular we'll see today that a demon cannot say. And so we're going to start by going to Luke chapter 4 and looking at verses 31 to 44. And here we'll see a couple different times where demons are talking and we want to look at what they say. And so it starts off, now Jesus has left Nazareth and he's gone down to Capernaum, which is a city right on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And now it seems it's another Sabbath day and he's teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. And verse 33 says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have we to do? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so there we see this demon make this statement. And even just how it ends is amazingly true. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That is a true statement. Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God. God. And even there's significance in that name, even thinking of Isaiah, where this idea of the Holy One is used so much. And here it is even a statement, I think, of the deity of Christ, the Holy One of God. Uh, And we'll see later amazing things from the mouth of a demon here. And Jesus then casts the demon out of the man. And later we see Jesus doing all kinds of miracles, healing the sick. Uh, And in verse 41, and demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. Again, another amazing statement, a true statement. Jesus Christ is the son of God. But it says Jesus rebuked the demons and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. So these demons knew what so many people in Galilee did not know or could not see that Jesus was the Messiah. So here coming from demons, we see that Jesus is the Holy One of God. He is the Son of God and he is the Messiah. But as we think about what demons can and can't do, demons can acknowledge those things, but they cannot embrace those things. Uh, demons are, are fighting 
against those realities, where God is calling us through faith to embrace those realities. And I want you to think today about these things that we see the demons saying and knowing and thinking about what they should mean to you who through faith can embrace these things. Think about the Holy One of God. What an amazing statement that is. And what a thing that you can embrace. Because unlike a a demon, you can be redeemed. How can that happen? How can you be redeemed? Well, there has to be a sacrifice. Uh, There has to be uh, something to redeem you, to purchase you, to uh, pay the debt that you owe. Well, who could do that? Only the Holy One of God, the perfect Son of God. And now today, even in prayer, you can come to God and you can come in the name of Jesus. You can come to God in the name of the Holy One of God, because this Holy One of God has died on the cross for your sins and risen again. And now he is your savior because he is the Messiah. What an amazing thing. And so I want us to look at these de- these statements from demons today and realize there's a lot of truth in there. But I want us to go farther and to say, no, there, there's not just truth to be acknowledged. Uh, there, there's truth to be embraced. There, there is truth that through which we can worship Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God. And, and I want you to have that attitude of worship today and amazement at who Jesus is. And then to share in Jesus's mission, where at the end of this chapter, he's saying, hey, I've got to go proclaim this message. May we uh, take it upon ourselves to let other people know that, no, Jesus is the Holy One of God. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And the whole world needs to embrace those truths. Well, let's move on to Galatians chapter 4 now. We're going to see a statement about uh, God that a demon cannot make. Right, Because this statement, even in and of itself, is not just an acknowledgement of truth. It is a statement of relationship. And as we look today at Galatians 4, verses 1 through 11, we see this amazing reality that we are no longer merely slaves, but sons and heirs. That we have been adopted uh, as sons of God. It says, starting in verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What an amazing statement that a demon absolutely cannot make, but a Christian can. A Christian crying out, Abba, Father. Because unlike the demons, you have a relationship with God. Through Christ, you have been adopted. And so you are a son and an heir of God. Even just Think for a minute about the effect that all these statements we have seen so far today should have on your prayers, that you can go to God today in the name of the Holy One of God, and you can cry out to him, Abba, Father, and go talk to him, and not just as a slave, not just as a subject, but as a son 
and an heir. What an amazing privilege that we have that can be received by faith. So as we think about these statements today, I hope they impact our hearts and really enrich our relationship with God and that we do cry out to him, Abba, Father. And so you see more of Paul's concern here that in light of all this, he's saying, how can you turn back to, he talks about days and months and seasons and years. And I think, obviously, I don't think there's problems celebrating holidays. And I don't think that's what he was concerned about. I think he was concerned that they thought these obligations were rituals that must be kept to keep their relationship with God. It seems clear that uh, that was um, the the thought behind these things, that it wasn't just, oh, they were still observing the Sabbath or that they were celebrating uh, the, the Jewish holidays, but that they thought there was even salvific power in those things. And he's saying, no, those things were meant to point us to Christ. And we shouldn't be trusting in those things, relying on those things anymore now that we are sons and heirs of God. We've talked about how these thoughts should affect our our prayers, and we see another prayer today in the Psalms. And uh, the Psalms are such a great uh, just collection of writings that should help us in our own prayers. And today we look at the first half of Psalm 80, and it begins, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Uh, What a great way to start a prayer acknowledging God's care, uh, that he is a shepherd and that he leads his people, uh, and also acknowledging his holiness, that he is enthroned upon the cherubim. And we see this refrain coming up in uh, Psalm 80, in verse 3, restore us, O God. Uh, It could be uh, translated sometimes, turn again, O God. Or sometimes you have this sense of revive us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. And then we see in verse 7, restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. And again, that's a great thing for us to be praying. We get a sense of frustration here again in verse 4, O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and have given them tears to drink in full measure. He's reaching out, seeking God's help, seeking God's forgiveness. And we can go as sons and heirs and ask God for these things. And even today on Thursday, July 8th, uh, I'm going to be heading up the mountain with about 100 people from Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, for our 2021 Ignite Summer Camp with our middle school and high school students. And I want to ask if you would just dedicate some time to pray for this weekend. I'll be preaching four times in the evenings. Uh, The the students, Keegan McQuaid, our youth director, will be leading them in the mornings uh, in devotional time. And they'll be spending time in small groups. And we are really praying that God would do some great things. That he would let his face shine on this weekend. That we would see young men and women get saved, that we would see relationships strengthened there, that we would see their their faith built up. So I want to ask you in joining uh, us to pray for that time and, and to pray uh, that, that God would do great things up at Ignite uh, this 
this weekend through the teaching of the word, through the work of the the counselors and the the youth leaders that will be there giving up their time and pouring into these students. And hopefully it'll be so much more than just a, a fun time and a great time for these students, but a really spiritually significant time. So please pray with us for that. Well, finally, we begin the book of First Chronicles today. And First Chronicles begins with everybody's favorite thing, uh, almost 10 chapters of genealogies. And so you, you might have just been tempted to hit the pause button right there or just to hit the fast forward to the end of the podcast. You might be tempted just to skip this part, but I would encourage you not to. And just to, you, you might not feel like you grasp all of it, but at least each day to try to pick out something that that rings a bell or even some name that if, if you have a study Bible that, that there's something that you can learn about as we start this book of First Chronicles. But uh, this book is going to really focus on the house of David and the, the southern kingdom of Judah. But notice the very first word of the book, Adam. Uh, this is going to really trace history all the way from Adam down to David and his descendants. And even you'll notice some things in here that there are certain sons that seem to be favored and others that aren't. And I want us to see even in these first three chapters, even though you might see a list of names, may we also see a record of God's faithfulness. And the reason why Abraham is singled out and and Jacob over Esau and even Judah over his brothers and then ultimately down to David. It's really about God. We think of Adam and how Adam fell into sin. And then these other names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Judah, down to David. This is a part of the line through which the Messiah is going to come to redeem us from sin Uh, The sin that Adam fell into, and we have all joined in ever since. And so, even though you see this list of names, see this as a record of God's faithfulness. And God going from Adam to Abraham down to David, and ultimately we know where the line of David is going to go to Jesus Christ. And it's because of Jesus, the Holy One of God, the Son of God, the Messiah, that we can be saved, that you and I can go before God and do what demons could never do and cry out, Abba, Father, as sons and heirs of the King. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.